This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to another episode of the stardom cast your monthly audio source of all things world wondering stardom i'm your host rob goodname joined as ever on these things by chris o'brien how are you my friend um fine (laughs) cool well that's the uh that's the stuff that people tune in for the the wit the witty banter um is is that it just just fine nothing going on in your life i tidied my room today fucking hell mate you you are giving me nothing today <laughs> i don't know like it's this because like there's been so much wrestling like so much wrestling and in the middle of that we have to watch a 2019 a show which has been fun for the both of us um <laughs> I don't I don't under I don't understand Gaff. He he is a man but also an enigma because like he will find something small in a New Japan match and save it as the worst thing ever. Like he gave fucking I'm pretty sure he gave Hiromu versus um Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom a, a failing grade. I d do, I don't and, think he did. I think he gave it a six. Ah, right, okay. But but yeah, but then like he's we're doing the TNA show and he's saying this asylum match is an eight out of ten, and I'm like, I I don't understand. What do you like? <laughs> I don't understand you, Goth. Teach me your ways. No, I think because I don't understand. Like with you, I can sort of watch a match and sort of gauge whether or not you'd like it. But then I watch a match that Garth likes, and I'm like, this is just like a match you said you hated. I don't understand you. <laughs> Um, just to clarify, on uh, on the flagship Podmania podcast, uh, we are doing a TNA Hard Justice 2009 retro review, and me and Chris are in varying hard, stages hard, of watching right? it. It's, it's hard watching. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know who's want. I don't know who went through more um, punishment, Mick Foley or me, through the three <laughs> hours of my life. I will never get back. I was slightly disappointed going into this because we're going to do the thing I did with um, ECW. I watched like a couple weeks of TV leading into it. I'm so glad like, they're not on Plus because Jesus Christ. <laughs> if like, pay-per-views meant to be your um, the best thing, and I can only imagine what weekly TV would be like, but I knew it. I know what weekly TV is like because it was free on Brother. <laughs> so, I, so I was watching it at the time. Uh, God, God knows, God knows how I love wrestling as much as I do now. Yeah, it's it's amazing that you've come through the other side of Impact to find other wrestling. Um, but there we are, there we are. Um, so it's been a fucking busy time uh for wrestling as you mentioned um and that's just for stardom and uh, taking out with account you know 
All Japan's show and New Japan's relentless summer struggle tour, which seems to just be every fucking day. And um, I'm not here for it. I've not watched any of the summer struggle stuff. <laughs> I've watched none. I've heard great things about the Suzuki and Nagata match. Yeah, I feel like people like Suzuki, Nagata and Shingo are going to be getting New Japan goodwill they just don't deserve right now. Well, I, I am going to watch that main event. Um, like I said, nothing, nothing else has really um, sort of pipped my interest for, for New Japan. I'll watch the uh, Jinju show on the 29th, I believe, of this month. Um, but, yeah, I'm... Uh, the only watch you want to see Takahashi versus Ishimori again. That I'm not going to lie, that that match is is my jam. Um, I, I cannot fucking wait for that match. My, um, I think what's weird is, like, I saw people going, well, New Japan's coming up, Corona, so you need to give them leeway. And then I'm looking at, like, All Japan, DDT, Noah... And Stardom, who are seemingly all firing on all cylinders right now, like all of them putting on like great main events along with solid undergrounds. And I'm like, what the fuck is New Japan's excuse? <laughs> we have more money, more resources. Could, in theory, sign anyone they wanted. And this is like what they're doing now is apparently the best they can do. I, I, I mean, we've we've talked about this before. I, I don't hate it as much as you do. Um. I think give it enough time. I think the fact that they're pushing evil as a single star is great. I think like what we're having now is sort of like the crux of all of New Japan's problems come together. Because um, right now the tag division is one of the best parts of it, and that should never. And in New Japan, that's not never a good sign. Like um, it's not just that. I don't think I'd mind an evil as champion if I didn't make him go half an hour. And I get that's not evil's fault, which is why I'm talking about how New Japan sucks and not evil. Yeah, it, it's not just that. There was... Unless they are going to do something with Jay White, which, you know, it's it sounds like they are. Um, I, just, I don't really understand why evil was made part of the Bullet Club. Um you know, unless unless you are of the opinion, of the very valid opinion that the Japanese leader of Bullet Club should in no fucking way be Yujiro Takahashi. I mean, yeah. Um, I know, it just feels like they're trying their hardest to sort of keep um, the faction they wanted to hold the championship and have them hold the championship without any thought of who would be holding it. It's weird. We're, we're, listen to Pyromania um, later this month if you want that, where we'll be covering the good Piro along with New Japan. <laughs> um, I'll give them, I'll give them till uh, the Jinju show. Will, uh, is it Jinju? Jinji? The stadium show. Um, <laughs> I'm actually not sure. Well, uh, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be great and uh, we'll be singing their praises once again. Um, however, uh, when it comes to stardom, we've had just an absolute barrage of not only information, but we've had three shows in the space of a very, very short amount of time. We apologise. This was originally uh, supposed to be a Wednesday podcast almost a week ago, uh, but they hadn't finished uploading the Corican show, so we couldn't do the podcast. I, I think my um, I think my prediction of on why that happened was correct. Did because did you know if it was up like straight right at the first came. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that probably was what it was. Um, and then, yeah, it was supposed to be Sunday, but we, you know, I had other things, uh, unfortunately. So we've ended up doing it tonight. So uh, better late I mean, than the, never. This is meant to start at eight. We started at 20 past nine. <laughs> um, 
so uh, what is on the agenda for the Stardom cast today? Uh, we're going to run through the three shows that we had, the Cinderella summer shows in Osaka, Nagoya, and then, of course, in Tokyo at Corican Hall. Uh, we'll then run through the announced card for Cinderella in Yokohama, uh, the brand new show that will be taking place on the 22nd and the 23rd at Yokohama Budokan. And then we'll preview the five star, which starts as we are recording on Saturday. So we'll give all our thoughts about that. Um, before we delve into it, Chris, um, we are going to just quickly whip through some of the undercard matches, especially on the Osaka show, because, you know, aside from the two main matches, uh, the tag match and then the Artist of Stardom Tile match. Not a lot of importance happened. And to a similar extent, Nagoya, uh, we are obviously going to go into more detail of the semi-main and the main event, but that's how we're going to do those. And then we'll go into detail of all the matches at Corican. So, Chris, let's delve into Cinderella Summer in Osaka from the 23rd of July. Eddie and Arena Osaka and 276 people in attendance. So, again, I'm just going to whip through these first three matches. Uh, we started with Death Yamasan defeating Azumi in 3 minutes and 49 seconds, which is a slightly surprising win, but I suppose if we're thinking long-term, uh, we're setting up challenges um, if Azumi were to take the belt, in theory, at Corrigan Hall, though I'm sure anybody that's listening to this will already know the results of Corrigan Hall. Um, in the second match, we had the Queen's Quest team of Utami and Momo defeat the Stars team of Starlight Kid and Saeeda in 10 minutes and 58 seconds with Utami hitting a bridging German suplex. Uh, match three, we have brand new stardom signee Himika in his first singles match, defeating Sai Kamatani in eight minutes and 23 with a running powerbomb. Um, this apparently was so dangerous or such an impactful move that it actually warranted a replay, which I don't think I've ever seen on a stardom show. I'll be perfectly honest. Chris, have you ever seen a replay? Um, to be honest, if it's ever happened, I've not thought of the need to <laughs> commit it to memory. <laughs> it was it was so strange because um, Himika pinned uh, Saya, and then rather than you know the typical Himika stands with a hand raised by the referee, and we get the cool little graphic at the bottom. It was we jumped straight into a replay. It was like this never fucking happens. What is this? Um, I wish we like they did in like WCW versus NWO Revenge where it was like it's like three times just before impact <laughs> um, I must admit we've obviously spoken about how I wonder how Himika's going to be in singles action I was very impressed with Himika um, she's only going to get better she's had two years ring in ring experience as we spoke about in the last episode so she's only going to get better looked really solid here um and I imagine she's going to be one that the five star is going to benefit massively. So, yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to more there. She was grand. She strikes me as someone who's not going to put on something blow away unless she's with, like, a May or a Tam. But, like, as a sort of presence, like, that bad luck phallet presence in the five star, you could do a lot worse than Himika. I must admit something I've picked up from um, the Donna Del Mondo multi-women matches is that Himika is 
she's found her place in that stable very, mm. very quickly. Um, yeah. Oh, to be fair, it's sort of like obvious just from looking at it, like because she's in terms of like just build, she's tall and she like so there's people as tall as her, people as like stocky as her, but there's no one who's both. So like in terms of that mode, it's like obvious you're now the monster. Yeah, kill them. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, I think she plays that really, really well. She's got great expression in her eyes, and that's a really weird thing to say. But when... yeah, but it's sort of the same thing as sort of Jungle Kiana. She has that as well. Where like from like just from like how her eyes are positioned, you can sort of tell what she's thinking. Jungle Kiona has had a ride and a fucking half over these three shows. Um, we'll delve into <laughs> okay. that. Oh, fucking tell me about it. I have things to say. <laughs> um. Yeah, so then we move into the semi-main, which was uh, the Tokyo Cyber Squad team of Jungle Kiona and Konami defeating the Stars team of Mei Watani and Tam Nakano in 14 minutes and 23. This was notable for two things. Well, three things, technically. The first, it was a great match. Uh, the second was that Mayu cut the most unintentionally hilarious pre-match promo by just shouting, good evening, and it was 11 a.m., which was just... Which has been memed to death. Just absolutely amazing. Well done, Stardom fan community. Well done. Um, and fa- you know, I, I kind of love that. I kind of love how it's just the instinct where she's like, good evening, and I like how the translate. But translator did not need to point that out. <laughs> In brackets, like, it's 11 a.m. Just- <laughs> like, how- like, so many people... Um, in politics, like nowadays, not naming names, but like, why don't we do that with like, literally anyone else? I wish I could just have that in real life. It's like, um, Callum, did you eat my last um, bag of crisps? No, he lied. <laughs> <laughs> just subtitle your lie. Um, no, just subtitle. He did. <laughs> and then, obviously, the the most important thing to take from this was that Jungle got a clean win over May oh. with Atani in uh, 20 minutes and one second with a jungle buster. Um, Chris, before you give um, your two cents on this match, there's, there's just a couple of things I want to say. The first thing is that jungle looked fucking imperious throughout this entire match. There was just, there was a presence around her and it was something that unfortunately she didn't have the 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 next night and obviously she had something completely different once we get to Corrigan and I'll, I'll get into that but you just you always feel like with Jungle she's the nearly person you know she's she's almost there but she just gets ripped away and when I first watched Stardom or when I was first getting into Stardom you made the comparison Chris of Jungle Kiona being the Tomohiro Ishii always a solid 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 matches often outstanding matches but never quite given the the chance to run with those top belts and that's certainly been the case for Jungle it's just here I don't know there was something there was a a fierce focus in jungle and you know then she had that post match uh, sort of um promo where she was being basically a dick to Mayu which was great it really really suited her um it's just a shame that ultimately all of this would be in there. I mean, they did telegraph it. They're not going to have Mayu lose on back-to-back shows, but it's still quite a surprise to have your champion pinned clean. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that coming. I I watched the Jungle versus Mayu match before I watched this one, and it, I still didn't see it coming. 
Um, I, th- I think in terms of the imperiousness, it's easier to like act tough when you're backed up by your best mate with um, two in an attack match. Like when you have backup, you can be harder. And when, like when there's less pressure, there's absolutely no pressure in this match. She has the title match either way. And in terms of like an environment, she was tag champ for most of last year. So like this is an environment she's more used to. Mm. Like she often picks a big one. Like she pinned Kagetsu in Kagetsu's last match. Well, then she Kagetsu came back for one more match. It was weird. Um, but yeah, pink, like pin Kagetsu in the last match with this move and like pin Mayu here. So like it makes complete sense. And to be fair, this match was fucking great. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it set up. You know. <laughs> Anyone that watches Stardom on a regular basis was already excited for the prospect of Jungle versus Mayu at, um, in Nagoya. But for those that weren't, this match certainly hyped that because all four competitors in this match, you know, Konami and Tam Nakano included, really added something. But it was a case of Jungle needed to prove to Mayu, not that she was a worthy challenger, Mayu knew she was a worthy challenger, but to prove that she had that killer instinct that quite a few people have said that she lacks when it comes to those important matches. And here, she she looked, she could quite easily have been the champion. If I, if I was tuning into that match halfway through and I didn't know who the World of Stardom champion was, I'd have instantly thought Jungle because in this match, I don't know what it was, I can't put my finger on it, as I said, she was imperious as fuck and she felt like a champion in this match. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think one thing that's worth knowing about this match is a fairly standard stardom tag main event. Like, and this sounds like a um, put down, but it's not. I rate this match fairly highly. I think that just plays into the main event tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I gave it a seven. I give it an eight. I love this match. I completely like. I think some of the tag matches, like uh, Mayu holding on to, I think it was Konami and Tam kicking her over. Love that. Um, just match never stopped. Loved it. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm more than happy to give it an eight, mate. More than happy. Um. So we move on to the main event of the night, the only championship match of the night in Osaka, and it was the Artists of Stardom championship match with the champions Donna Del Mondo retaining over Oida Tai in 15 minutes and 54 seconds with a Julia driver. Um, Chris, first, before we get into the crux of the match and your opinion and things like that, uh, we had some lovely pre-match promos. I say pre-match promo. We had a pre-match promo because apparently Oida Tai's new way of being cool is to stop giving pre-match promos. Um, Sierra just... <laughs> Descending into absolute fucking madness and claiming unrequited love to the belt, and the belt apparently has the same mutual love. It was just, and you could just see Julia and Micah going, "What the fuck is going on with you?" Um, but she's she's fast becoming, like I said last week, uh, last episode. Siri quickly is becoming one of my favourite things about Stardom. I think she's great. I think she's so quirky yet when it comes to being an absolute fucking badass as she is in Nagoya just she manages to transition between the two effortlessly and it doesn't feel jarring well yeah and there's a few people there's only a few people I can think who does that like um Tommaso Ciampa goes from like scary psychopath to 
stroking the belt kind of thing. It's not like that. It's they're totally different personas, but in terms of like love of a belt, yeah, like gone a long way from when we were arguing who gets what belts. Mm. No, I I agree. Um, and it's the same as promo when I'm thinking this match, to be honest, because it's like for me this didn't feel any markedly different from the other um, DDM versus a time match, apart from Mike is in there instead of. Um, Himika, and that brings like natural differences but like overall I just didn't feel any difference I just felt it was the same sort of level of quality um, well you're not right because there was one big difference Chris and that is that Saki has darker hair now <laughs> so uh, sit down um, <laughs> no I think it does oh. suit her uh, her heel persona and I must admit much as I say like oh Saki's pretty one dimensional she's good in ring but has nothing about her. I thought she was the MVP of this match. She took all of the heat from Donna Del Mondo and she did 75, 80% of the heavy lifting when it came to the offense as well. Um, in regard to what you said, Chris, yeah, it was relatively, I don't know what it is. I feel like we've seen Awida Tai versus Donna Del Mondo so fucking much. I don't think oh. it helps that there are only three of Awida Tai, so it's the same pairing as well. It's, it's one of the few things I give people slack for when it comes to um, Corona booking, because, like, Oedetai have literally, like, the shift after Kagetsu and Hazuki left was, um, okay, we're going to be, like, very Gaijin-heavy things. We're going to have Priestley, we're going to have Hater, we're going to have Session Moth, and that will be the bulk of our um, faction, which works unless there's an international pandemic that prevents travel. Um, so... Yeah, I do feel for Oedetai right now because they can't, like, they can't change out for each thing. Um, Sumire feels a bit lost about Session Moth, if I'm being honest, which is weird because Session Moth normally gets her lost. And, yeah, Saki's good, but she's never the most interesting part of a feud. And Natsuko Tora, she needs a really good baby face to bounce off of, and DDM just aren't that how do do i put this i agree like no let's not mince words no one could have foreseen the pandemic so you know sticking b Priestley in there is actually a great shout because b Priestley is as she's proved you know by running with the world of stardom championship she is a main eventer um you know no one could have foreseen that but i feel like you could they need to be doing something else. I feel like every Tora singles match, and admittedly I've only seen two, three, um, in this since um since the pandemic, but I feel like they've all been the same. I feel like every single Awida tie six woman or every single Awida tie tag team match is exactly the same. You know, we get jumped before the bell, we get uh Natsu doing the sexy bron- bronco buster, you know, we get the whip. We get the chain on top of the person and a frog splash onto it, which I still don't understand. We get that fucking bucket, which I still... (laughs) Can someone on Facebook, Twitter, in our Discord, can you please explain what it is? Because when you are hit with it, it doesn't sound like it hurts. I can't quite see what is on it. And I just... They only bring it to the ring. There's nothing in it. uh, Because Natsu brings her whip to the ring. So I don't understand what is... I'm all for bringing props to the ring. I think it works. I like Natsu's chain, apart from when she's putting it on someone and then frog splashing onto it, which I still don't understand as a move or a concept. But I don't understand. 
what that there, there was one really 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 fucking funny moment and i can't remember if it was in this match um or a match later on um where they just i think it's i think it's nagoya where um Natsu puts just puts it down, just puts it down the middle of the ring, and Saki just belts it into the face of someone who's lying down. That was that was hilarious. That was really really good. Um, and it's stuff like that. Just just be inventive. Natsu, I love Natsu. I think she's great. You know, she's such an amazing character, and genuinely, when she's on the microphone, she's absolutely brilliant. But she wrestles the exact same match every time, and that's not a knock on Natsu. She is a lower mid carder. You know, she doesn't need to consistently do these different matches. But it feels like she, the only one who I feel is doing anything differently, the one who's evolving in any sort of way, is Saki. And you know, we had callbacks to the previous match where Saki reversed the um, was playing possum and went for the roll up that had, you know previously pinned Julie. So we did have those callbacks. But I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I want to like Awida Tai. But I don't know if it's because I liked Awida Tai when it was Kagetsu and Azuki. I, I don't know, but I just, I can't get into them. Like, this was fine. On the face of it, this was fine. It was six stars. I actually thought it was a little bit better than their previous encounter. Um, well, stakes adds that. Yeah, stakes adds that. Again, just the slight evolution, like, of, of Saki. Um, you know, the callbacks to the previous match. It, it all came together to add something, but it wasn't blow away. And to be perfectly honest, if you haven't watched it, don't. It, it's not worth going back and watching. They just, as the de facto heel group, you know, things that make you a heel, top of that list is certainly not not posing for a photograph at the start or looking bored as fuck. I think broadly in wrestling with people who are better as opponents and people who are as better as the star. And currently, Oedetai doesn't really have that star. Like, I'm not saying it can't develop, but right now, like, Natsuko Tora, Natsu Sumire, Saki Kashima, there's someone who's better for someone like Mei or Tam to overcome. Whereas, like, in Donna Del Mondo, I think it's the opposite of a problem where, like, everyone likes, well, apart from me, I, don't, I still don't like Julia that much, but, like, everyone likes everyone in Donna Del Mondo, so they're all sort of stars, and everyone will be happy with them being in title programs was here like these um about a type of like filler defenses right now if we went up against a champion how do you fix Oida Tai? You know, assuming that the worst happens and B and Jamie are out for the rest of the year, which horrible as it sounds, it looks like they might be, you know, assuming assuming they aren't back, how do you save Oida Tai? Do you have another person join them do you do you have someone just turn inexplicably heel just so that there's something fresh you know do you do you just have them wrestle a different match do you i, I don't i don't know how you stop them being the same bland boring heel and that's what it is i think i just find them boring and that's that's the worst thing and i know i've said this on the last three podcasts and i apologize for people that listen to this on a monthly basis and just are sick of me ragging on oida tai as three singles competitors tora samir saki i like them but they've been, they've done nothing nothing at all that has impressed me here nothing what do you do chris <laughs> I don't know. I think mostly they sort of need fleshed out away from each other. Like, even though people are teaming most of the time, like, say earlier when we had Momo versus Utami, we know who they are 
outside of this um, team dynamic. Whereas apart from Tori, really, everyone's not had chance to go away from that. And like, we'll get into it when we go on to the Corican show. But like, Saki Kashima showed like a decent amount of personality in the singles match she had with Rina. So, like, I'd literally do just think we need time away from each other to work out who they are. And, like, that sounds like it's a relationship. But... <laughs> I just need time away. <laughs> like, if you go up the no. <laughs> um, but, no, um, I think, like, if they can develop who they are. Because that's the thing, when we've seen glimpses, like, when Toro, Toro gets his single smash, like, there's something there. I think she just needs to flash, out, flash this out. And I think the five-star could be that for her. So I think we should hold judgment on no other type fully until after the five-star. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, we will do them. So in that case, Chris, let's... Uh, oh, by the way, I gave that six. What did you give it? I gave it six. It's basically the same, but with stinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's move on then to the 24th of July, the next show, which was the Storm Cinderella Summit in Nagoya show. Uh, this was obviously at, from the Nagoya International Conference Hall in front of 339 people. So those attendances, Chris, are steadily going up just by a couple each time. So how do you feel about that? Isn't Antron case is still rising in Japan. I'm still a bit skeevy about wrestling going on at all, but, you know, I'm not beyond hosting a podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm not informed enough on Japanese corona. And I'm just focused on Glasgow being fucked right now. So, now that, Well, I did I did see a stat that said uh, Glasgow is the most affected area in, in Scotland with yeah. numbers of three in 100,000. <laughs> Which, I'm not going to lie, mate, that doesn't sound earth-shattering. It doesn't, but when you realise it can pass on. I, I don't know, I just, see the new, I just see the headline, um, outbreak in Glasgow, and I thought I'd just hide and cry for about an hour. Yeah, no, I get it, man, I get it, man, I was only joking. Um, so again, let's just fire through these first couple of matches. So we opened up with Konami defeating Saya Ida. Uh, with a buzzsaw kick at 7 minutes and 34 seconds. A really, really aggressive Konami, uh, which I think is really important when we consider the Corican show later. Uh, we had a triple threat high-speed match with Saki Kashima, Death Yamasan, and Starlight Kid, uh, with Starlight Kid winning with a Kichan bomb in 4 minutes and 59 seconds. I like Saki Kashima in that sort of division. I think that should be her niche, and we have seen... Saki Moore over the last couple of months in that sort of arena, so it would be well, nice to see that more. He's had high speed title shots before, so. Well, there you go. I think that should be her niche, you know, especially for now until everything is settled down. Uh, that mm -hmm. and the tag titles, why not? Um, so we then got on to the third match, which was Tam Nakano and Riho teaming against Oida Tai, obviously Natsukatora and Natsu Samir, um, with a DQ finish, because that's what we need. Um, Tora basically goes spare and hits people with a chair at 10 minutes and 3 seconds. Um, Chris, at least it was different. Yeah, um, apart from Natsu keeps getting herself <laughs> disqualified. Yeah, it... <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it. I've I've said my piece on a weed attire. Let's let's move on. Um 
So we then go on to the semi-main event, which was an eight-woman tag match with Donna Del Mondo, Julia Himika, Micah, and Suri, and Queen's Quest, Azumi, Momo, Watanabe, Sayaka Kabatana, and Yutami Hayashishita fighting to a time-limit draw of 30 minutes. Now, Chris, I know you have thoughts on this, <laughs> so let me go first, and then I'll throw it to you. All right? All right. All right, so... First of all, I absolutely love this match. I thought it was great. I thought you had a real intensity in those last five minutes as they realised that time was running out. Um, I think everyone paired off into absolutely phenomenal feuds. Um, feuds that I would absolutely want to see. Azumi with any number of them. Um, speaking of Azumi, I thought she was great. She did a wonderful, which I know she does all the time, but it just looks so cool. The top rope Hurricane Rana arm drag combo. I thought that was amazing. You know, they'd worked Himika's legs so that, you know, there was that sort of story, that sort of chopping down the giant. You've got Suri and Momo literally trying to kill each other, which is always fun to watch. Um, yeah, it, it was a really, really, really good match. Um, the ending saw Shiri look to break Momo's arm, um, but as literally as the time limit expires, Azumi just belts one in the face, which is which was which was great. Um, I honestly think that this is the best undercard tag in my time watching Stardom. Um, there was intensity, there was fire. Every single person, which is all, which can be hard with eight people in the ring. Every single person felt like they meant something. Um, every single person felt like they had something to do. No one was spare. My only issue, and it's a relatively big issue, I'm not going to lie, is why would you put a really intense 30-minute time limit draw that had the crowd excited, you know, as excited they, as they are allowed to be, at a Japanese wrestling show when they're not allowed to shout or scream, why would you put that before the main event? Where the crowd then, for the main event, are pretty much dead. It just, that for me, just, it made no sense. I'm not saying don't do the time limit draw. Place it further down the card or put it on the, you know, put it on a different show. It, it felt very, very strange to me because when you then get... After a 30-minute time limit draw, you then get the drama of a title match with the homecoming girl, Jungle Kiona, and that goes 21 minutes, which, you know, conversely didn't feel like it went 21 minutes. I just felt like the entire crowd was drained. I mean, it's literally my only negative about this match. I gave it nine stars. So I thought it was fucking great. I just felt like it really did impact on the match after it. Chris? It was alright. Like, um, I'm sort of done with time limit draws right now. Like, what well, we've we're three podcasts back into Stardom being back, and each time we've had a time limit draw, maybe calm that down a bit. Like, you don't want to overuse it, especially going into the Cinderella, not not Cinderella, into the five star, where like the short time limit sort of makes draws an eventuality. So I don't know why you'd overuse that device going in, and I. Otherwise, it was fine. Most of the good things you say, I agree with. Um, 
I didn't like all of the spots. Like, I didn't enjoy the suplex, the multiple people attempting a suplex spot. I think that's stupid. The only good part of that that I liked was when Julia tried to go in and Zumi, instead of automatically going to ju- um, join in, just kicked Julia out of the way. <laughs> I did like that. I like audibly laughed at that. But otherwise, just... <laughs> The length of it, the is placement on the card, you're right. And I think a wrestling match doesn't always have to be critiqued in a vacuum because this is not remotely at the right time on the card or in the gear. Neither unit needed to look strong. This isn't like um, in the tag match with Utami and Saya taking on Momo and Azumi where you had to sort of establish Utami and Sarah as a tag team without making Azumi or Momo look weak. This had no point to that. Like, I'm not being funny, someone could have taken a pin, pin here and no one would have looked bad. And it would have been um, a, a lot shorter and I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Pommy, am I right in thinking that all eight of these people are in the five star? The five um, all of Donna Del Mondo are in there, and um, Queen's Quest is Momo, Utami. Yes, they Zimi, are. And... Yeah, they are. So, yeah. I understand it from that standpoint. You know, you want everyone going in with, you know, as, as much momentum going forward. Um, you've got two very dominant factions. You've got Donna Del Mondo, who management are apparently, you know, not scared of everyone knowing that they want them to be the big thing. You know, they are at the moment the hottest thing in stardom as far as management are concerned. And you've got Queen's Quest, where you have two of the biggest, not necessarily the biggest draws, but certainly people that fans get behind in Momo and Utami. You know, you've got Azumi, who's just going on to win, you know, the high speed, who I know a lot of people like. They are trying to keep both very, very strong. And I do understand, obviously, Saya and Utami will go on to do good things at the Corrigan Hall show. It's a difficult one. I Like I said, you know, that that aside, I thought this was brilliant. I thought everything worked. I Conversely to you, I actually really enjoyed that suplex spot. I'm a real sucker for an eight-man suplex. Always have been. I know it's a bit of a house show thing to do, but fuck it. Why not? Um... At no point did this match feel like it dragged, even though, you know, 30 minutes. I did really enjoy that they worked Himika's leg and then Himika stumbled. I know she probably stumbled by accident, but it played into the match. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it, Chris. I know you weren't particularly keen, but I gave it nine and I'm not willing to hear anything against it. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> else on Facebook. It's like, oh, you have a different opinion? Well, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on to the main event and our World of Stardom Championship match with Mayu Iwatani defeating Jungle Kiona in 21 minutes and one second with the two-step dragon suplex. Um, this, Chris, is up there with my favourite stardom matches ever. Um, I knew it would do. Um, they could just go out there and wrestle a match with nothing attached to it and I would still absolutely love it but there were so many layers to it that they worked into this match um, a simple promo at the start from Mayu and a simple promo at the start from Jungle instantly added just another dimension you've got Jungle Kiona who said I think four words 
which was please feel my determination. She's focused. She's ready. Um, you've got Mayu, who's too busy, not necessarily too busy, but busy thinking about the venue where last time she was in there, she dislocated her elbow. She, you know, links that venue very much with the pain she suffered. You know, she's nervous about that. So will that play into the match? Very, very simple two-minute opening. And instantly you've got that, okay, will this, will this throw Mo, uh, Mayu off a game? And I just, I loved that. I love the simplicity of just adding something like that. I love the fact that to start with, especially Jungle had a very, very, very clear plan of working the neck, you know, the neck and the shoulder. Mayu's got the shoulder taped up, working the neck and the shoulder, ready for that Jungle Buster. And for about a quarter of the match, Mayu's offense was all reactionary. She was reacting to everything Jungle did. And you can argue that that is because of the nerves felt because of the Osaka, uh, because of the Nagoya venue. Eventually, Mayu sort of thinks, right, I actually, I actually need a plan now, and worked the arm. And this was an example of where a limb match works, just enough selling, just enough limb work to create. I'm going to say it, fucking masterpiece, Chris. May have pulled off some Jay White bullshit in this match, and I'm here for it. Like, um, when I say Jay White bullshit, I mean, like, Jay White will take, like, the standard cadence of a New Japan main event and do put things you wouldn't... For example, um, at one point in this match, there's a button started where people, both people, like, put their arms out to um, grab each other's hair, pull themselves up, and start knocking lumps out of each other. When Jungle put her arm out to do that, Mayu caught it into an amber and put it and kept switching around in the submission hold. That's great. That's unbelievably great, and I'm unbelievably on board with that. Like um, Mayu seemed to try and go um, move for move with Jungle, which she realised she couldn't do because Jungle's a monster and Mayu isn't. They have two very different games. Jungle's very power based, whereas Mayu's very speed based. Yeah, exactly. So like, it, it's it, they made it very clear early on in this match that one of Jungle's moves is worth three or four of Mayu's. Yeah, so absolutely. Mayu had to start playing smart because she lost to a monster earlier in the year in, in Takumi Ahara, and I think this match was show, sort of showing Mayu learning that lesson. Like, oh, I can't just go move to move for move. I can't, like, be tried for here. I need to play smart. And then, like, that played into her hands because Jungle hit everything. Like, she hit the Jungle Bomb, the Jungle Buster, um, went for Hannah's um, package power driver. And, like, you could see Jungle get more and more and more desperate as the match went on. And that played into Mayu's hands. What I do love is... Um, the package power driver was sort of what led to the ending. Like that led to the sequence that had Jungle constantly being um, dragon suplexed. And just, I know the crowd was somewhat dead going into this, but we turned them around. And again, I don't know why they put a half hour draw where they did. But like we managed to turn it around here, and like it's because the match was so good in. Just, ah, I wanted Jungle to win more than I wanted my last breath. And it was, um, like, I don't remember the last time I lost myself in a match that much. Like, maybe Naito versus Okada. Like, just sort of like, 
booking wise, I sort of knew they weren't going to throw the belt on Jungle Red before the five star, but on in a random Nagoya show. But on the other hand, I didn't. I just lost myself in it, so I that went out the window. The thing I loved, I, or I, one of the things I loved of this match, I've already gushed about how much I loved it, is that once Mayu realised she needed a plan, she adapted, she didn't just wrestle her usual, you know, high-paced, high-speed offence. You know, she she wrestled a very, very submission-heavy game here. You know, we had guillotine <laughs> chokes, we had double wrist locks, we had all sorts of ridiculously, you know, because she is obviously extremely flexible, some ridiculous submission moves, and she changed how Jungle went about her offense as well, because as you mentioned, Chris, she she pulled out everything on Mayu, and Mayu kicked out, because, uh, you know, as we've known from every Mayu match, she's resilient as fuck. Um and, you know, that played into that very, very last moment where Jungle took all that energy to fight out of the two-stage dragon and then sort of went wildly with a lariat. It was almost an instinctive lariat, missed, got caught with another one and ended up being pinned. You know, you don't remind me of, remember in um, the Tyler Bate versus Walter match last year where Bate kicked out at one and then straight away Walter fucking killed him with a lariat? Yeah, it took everything to do that first kick out. Yeah, I agree. That is, that's a good comparison. Well done, mate. Um, I'm with you, mate. I completely... I don't know if I expected a title change here. I think if they were going to do a title change, you know, Jungle Kiona, after everything that's happened, Jungle Kiona in her hometown... You know, they changed the gear. She looked like a champion again. That match in Osaka, she carried herself differently. This might have been the time. But, you know, going into the five-star, these two nights at the Yokohama Budokan, maybe it wasn't the right time. However, I think there's something going on with Jungle Kiona, Konami, and Tokyo Cyber Squad, which we'll get into very, very shortly, and uh, something that was announced at the Yokohama Budokan show. Overall, Chris, just this probably is my favourite stardom match of this year. I think for me, this beats out the ninth anniversary show, as in the main event. I loved Mayu versus Momo. Absolutely loved that match. I think it was great. This for me with the drama, the added sort of underlying, you know, Mayu having to adapt, Jungle being so focused, it being Jungle's home turf, you know, that progressive sort of descent into desperation. This, for me, was a better match. Um, I'm, I've been battling ever since I watched it whether or not I like this more than the me a horror match. And for me, the best comparison to be made there is like the difference between the Abushi Okada match and the Abushi Naito match. Well, like, not the, the Okada now match, where, like, they're the best of the year in their promotion for two very different reasons. Yeah, with Okada and Ibushi, you had a very, very, very different story than you did with Okada versus Naito. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's similar with Mayu and Momo told a very, very different story because, you know, they could. You know, they weren't going to tell the exact same story here because, you know, extenuating, extenuating circumstances, the fact the jungle is from Nagoya... You know, everything that's gone on, the fact that Mayu had, you know, an awful time last time she was in Nagoya, it all built into a completely different story. So, I don't know, I I felt connected more to this story 
than I did to no, the moment. I mean, ultimately, you're there's no difference between the two in reality. They're both absolutely outstanding matches, and I imagine at the end of the year there'll be one and two in some manner of order when we come to matches I, of the year. I think the the Takumi Hara match a bit just because like that match did turn a lot of people's heads. Like some people who don't want Shadow were like, ah, but saw that the gif of that kick. You and do love that gif. You really do. But I fuck it. It's like something from Power Rangers. <laughs> you do love it so much. You must mention it every single podcast. Because it's the best thing and you haven't watched the match yet. I haven't watched Watch the match it. yet. I will. I promise I will. So, the thing... Well, one of the, the other things that added to the drama of this match was that post-match promo from Jungle, which is just... Oh, my God. Oh, my God, it's heartbreaking. I actually have um, a, a direct translation here because it, it fucking got me, man. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I prepared and trained my hardest to fight Mayo Watani, but I was still useless today. It, it was. I think it was that word. I was still useless. Like... Oh my god! Just unbelievable. So bloody hell! I fa- you really no. The most hardened Mayu fan would still have been like, "Oh my fucking god!" That's her. Like just this woman's just entire like mentality being crushed to the floor just with that simple phrase. You know, she was clearly really, really cut up about it. Just awful. Absolutely awful. I felt so, so sorry for her. But like I said, I do have a theory uh, as we move forward. So, uh, yeah, and Ben Mayu just got her normal promo. Mayu's just very, very excited to be there. Yeah, it's like I didn't break my elbow this time. It's like while well, Jungle Kiona's in fucking tatters in the corner. Can you imagine how unlucky Mayu would have been if she'd have broke her elbow again? Yeah, like just never take it to neglect. Actually, there's weird. Like, there's, there are people who do have like strange, like, like for example, um, Kid Lycos of CCK. Every time he was booked to wrestle in Scotland, he'd break his elbow. <laughs> I think I might have been an excuse just to get out of Scotland. I mean, he still went. He still went up to the show and bought merch because I went to both shows he was meant to be at, and then. <laughs> He was just at the table selling merch. He just came up with Chris Brooks. It's ridiculous. What did you give the match overall, Chris? Oh, 10. It's my... Again, this would be a horror match, but probably like A and B. And like I can't... It's like 1A and 1B. Can't, not 1 and 2, but sort of equal. Just incredible. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. 10, 10 stars. This was fucking incredible. If you haven't already gone and watched it, please do. It's one of the matches that I would actively encourage you to go back and watch from this first half of Stardom's year. Absolutely sensational. Really, really, really good match. So, Chris, let's move on then. Let's go to the Stardom Cinderella Summit in Tokyo show from the 26th of July from Corrigan Hall in front of 483 people. We started not with a match, but with information that Himika and Micah are officially signed to Stardom instead of just being freelancers. So I think that's a good bit of business for Stardom. Yeah, 
as, as good to have your major faction be signed. Absolutely. Well, we haven't signed Shiri yet. Yeah, we haven't signed the best member of DDM. <laughs> um, I think, to be fair, she, I think she likes being a freelancer. Yeah, yeah, she's certainly sort of the living the best of both worlds, isn't she, really? Yeah, well, well did you... Because, like, I keep forgetting Suzuki's a freelancer and then he'll turn up in DDT. She turns up where the fuck he wants. You try telling Suzuki he's not turning up. <laughs> the best bit of this... Um, so the little the little press conference that um, showed you them signing was seeing Takamichinoku dressed up to the nines in this suit and still having that fucking shit hair. <laughs> He's had that hair since the fucking nineties. Is it the wor- the fact that it's now got a blonde tip? Is it the worst hair? Is it the worst? Tak is back, all right. <laughs> um, I- <sighs> I just think of Mr. Burns every time I see him. I just see him and think, ah, shave or side butts. <laughs> just, he's, yeah, it's just the worst. It's just the worst wig. It really is. Fucking awful. Um, we open then with our first match, Saki Kashima versus Hina. Um, you mentioned when we were going through the Osaka show how um, Saki showed a little bit of character here. Completely agree with you. She She was effectively playing with her food in this match. Yeah, she was just there going, obviously I'm going to win. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, so she, you know, she waited, she waited, she waited. Then Hina hit a few choice moves, a few hope spots, and Saki was like, fuck this, I've had enough. My emblem at 4.15. She looked, for the first time in this run, she looked like the arrogant heels that Oida Tai are trying to sort of put across. You know, sort of, I know I'm going to win. Come on, bring it. Come on. And then almost sneering in the face of Hina. And then once Hina sort of, you know, doesn't get on top, she was never thoroughly on top in this match. But once she's given just enough, Saki's like, right, enough of this. My emblem, pinfall. And I, I really did like that. And if Saki can channel that more, you know, and especially in multi-women tag matches, where, which is where a weird tag really do seem to fall apart at the moment, channel that that sort of developing sense of self, I'm all for it. But, you know, it went four minutes, 15 seconds, so I can't give it a especially high grade. I gave it four. Still solid. Yeah, I didn't bother rating it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we then had a tag team match with the remaining members of Oedetai, Natsu Katora and Natsu Samir, taking on the Tokyo Cyber Squad of Death Yamasan and Rina Chris opinion of this match I they have none it was and it was a nothing match everyone acted like they normally do you know, oh at the time one that's basically it. there was one moment it was this match where um death yamasan got twatted on the head by that bucket um oh. and a proper <laughs> just i honestly i had to pause the match i was laughing that much you proper punted it into a head it was great um there was one moment where um, I think it's Taurus coming off the ropes and Rina tries to stop her by kicking her. So Taurus stops and just gives her this look as though to go, you fucking what? And that that was better than 
all of the heel antics throughout the rest of the fucking uh, match. That was great. Just that proper... Because, let's face it, Tora is fucking imposing. Use that. Don't come to the ring looking bored as fuck. Bored isn't cool. Bored is bored. You know, you're not going to get a crowd, but yeah, yeah. You know, or booing you just because you come to the uh, match like you've had two hours sleep. Use that. Orange Cassidy. Well, yeah. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is the obvious <laughs> exception. Just use that imposing, like, I am going to fuck you up royally if you touch me again. Use that. I, that's I fucking that's, great. I think that's the thing with the two of Edith matches on this, sh- on, um, this show. It's like both of them show, like, Natsu obviously showing what makes her watchable in the other matches, but here, like, Tora and Saki, the two people we've been questioning, really, based off showed why we should care. And it's like, just carry that into matches that don't involve the children. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're in a match with the children, fuck them up. Like, not, you know, not in a horrible, like, not in a brutal way. I'm not thinking fucking big Japan death matches, but, like, <laughs> be imposing. Intimidate them. They're 13. I th- be dickheads. I don't know. My, my eight-year-old niece is one of the um, one of the toughest people I know. I so you going to say like... one of the rookies at stardom. <laughs> oh, imagine that. You know what? She'd probably fuck them up. <laughs> That's a Katora. What are you doing? And your niece is like, yeah, what are you going to do? Amazing. I, I look forward to that feud at the 10th anniversary show. Um, <laughs> Selfie. <laughs> Tora eventually wins with the frog splash. Um, I I gave it five. You know, it's it's a small, it's a short match. No stakes. It was solid enough and we got something different from a weeder tie, so I'm clinging to that. So I gave it five. I didn't bother No, I know, I know you didn't. I'm not even going to ask for the for the uh, for the next couple of matches, to be honest. Um, oh, I bothered these ones. Just these opening tag matches. There's nothing. Fair enough. <laughs> um, we then cut to a singles match: Micah versus Momo Watanabe. Uh, Momo wants absolutely everyone to know in that opening promo that she, in fact, wanted a shot at the red belt, but ended up in this instead, calling Micah a Utami Hayashishita wannabe, which. Uh, which made me laugh. Um, I think I've got this wannabe, which it just made me giggle. Um, it's clear early on that Momo has absolutely no respect for Micah. There's a cocky pin. There's nonchalant kicks. There's none of Momo's like proper pace. She just she knows she's going to win. She's not breaking a sweat doing it. She's you know Micah pulled away definitely, and towards the end Momo realised she is actually going to have to try in this match. But Momo wanted everyone to know I am better than being third on the card against the future of Stardom champion. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that she wants to go after the Red Belt because in the tag match, she was fighting Shiri and then Shiri challenged um, Mayu in the next match. Spoilers. So, yeah, um, this is clearly just a way for Momo to get some momentum going into the five star. And it was fun though, like... I like Micah's shtick. She's just not... She's not experienced enough to put everything together into an amazing match yet. I think the five-star will help her in that regard. Like, you see so many people get better because of, like, a G1 or a champion carnival. I think the same will be be the case here with Micah and the five-star. Um, but, yeah, a Momo match is never going to be bad in terms of, like, sheer work rate. She's probably, like, top three in the company. Oh, yeah, definitely. So... Yeah, and this is great. I'd like that 
Noah didn't really need to use her signature offense to beat Micah, sort of showing like, like Stardom roster's roster is small, but it still has a clear pecking order. And I like how we don't sacrifice that for the sake of making a rookie look good, which a lot of companies just do sometimes for no reason. Yeah, she ends up winning with diving Samato at 10.39. Um, I give it six stars. Enjoy it. I enjoyed yes. it. I think Michael, like you said, Chris, <clears throat> I think she's gonna. She is going to be very, very good. She is good now, but you know she still needs that firm hand in the ring. Um, I think she's a no frills wrestler, and that's going to be great. You know, I look forward to singles matches with Jungle Kiona, with Utami, like you know later down the line when she's had that chance to refine her craft. And I think the five star is going to go a long way to helping to do that. When you look at who she'll be in the ring with. Mm-hmm. Um, we move on then to a tag team match with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika and Suri defeating the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani and Tam Nakano after oh sorry not Tam Nakano Saida sorry he's looking at the <laughs> looking at the match below uh, Mayu Iwatani and Saida um, with Suri pinning Saya after a buzzsaw kick at 13 minutes and 21 first things first our world of stardom champion couldn't be bothered to talk in this promo because she was eating <laughs> is this your champion and um... then she got to the ring went to throw her wristband into the crowd misjudged it and ended up just throwing it aggressively to the floor because it got stuck in a hand and then she laughed like a goof i'm not gonna lie chris Mate? i fucking love her she's such an affable twat and i absolutely love it i think she's great yeah, she's been turning into uh, over the course of this range she's been turning like you see people sort of change throughout the side and rain so like i went back and watched a fair bit of momo's reign and like she became more of a badass throughout her white belt reign um arisa became a bit more of a psychopath throughout her reign <laughs> maybe she's becoming a dick honestly she she is so lovable I don't think one person can watch this company and not fall in love with her just because of how much of an affable goof she is. Just, like, honestly, Saeed is talking, she's just eating a bag of nuts, just going, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And then just, in the previous match, in the previous, um, I think it was in the Osaka show, where um, she's, you know, she's supposed to do the stars thing with Tam Nakano when she accidentally says stardom. Just stuff like that, it it's no wonder she's my favourite wrestler. She's my spirit animal. Maybe, maybe she's on drugs. <laughs> I imagine Mayu on drugs is exactly the same as Mayu normally. Just there'll be <laughs> no difference whatsoever. Um, Do you think black hole drunk gar? Like wine drunk gar is basically gar. It's just gar, but louder. <laughs> yeah. Just louder and I'm slightly not- more aggressive. <laughs> He's so after you, Finn Balor. Do you want to fight about it? No, Garth, I asked if you wanted to use the shower, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Overall, this is another really, really enjoyable match. Um, DDM spent a lot of time, as they are wont to do at the moment, dominating, uh, especially Saeeda Himika, especially. He's a bit botchy. Um, there was a mm. moment where Himika is attempting to get Saeeda and Mayu Iwatani in the, you know, the infamous John Cena double AA spot. Um, but she hasn't quite got her arm around Mayu as well. So she's got all of Saya and part of Mayu. And then when she comes off the ropes, uh, Mayu just sort of slides off. But credit where credit is due, Himika realized that she hadn't got all of it and claps to the ground, selling her neck. 
which I thought was great. You can mm. tell straight away that it was a botch and not part of the story, but she had the presence of mind. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll notice like, that about separates people. It's like, how, if something goes wrong, how do they react? And she reacted well here. One thing I did know, and like, it makes complete sense, and not, um, I'm not going to be mean to Sayurida or Himika, but um, the moments when Maeve and Shuri in the ring were so good. But like whenever someone else was in the ring, I was a bit disappointed. Let's be honest. I mean, Saida is still I, very, very young. She was here no, to eat the pin. Saida and Hirika are like early twenties rookies, and I get that. And I'm, that's why I'm not like saying this is an overly bad thing about the match. But it's just sort of I don't know. I know me and Shuri basically have a title match to build up towards, but they kind of just made the other two look green which is what they are but yeah it just sort of as soon as it wasn't those two fighting I didn't want to know because like there's some great fucking like the fighting spirit um German spot I'm here for that I'm, all, I'm never not going to be here for a fighting spirit German spot like I think these two when they get to that match are going to have a fucking blinder I completely agree with everything you've just said. I just hope that Suri delivers a slightly tidier-looking gut buster than she did in this match, because fucking hell, that looked rough. Um, but otherwise, as Chris alluded to, post-match, uh, Suri challenges for the red belt, and Mayu accepts. That's being set up for the Yokohama uh, Cinderella Yokohama show um, at the end of August. Um, there is one thing I wanted to ask, Chris, before I ask for your rating. Um, they shake hands post-match. And uh-huh. Mayu sort of hangs the red belt over their hands and it stays there. Now, I'm sorry, Chris. Actual physics dictates that that should not happen. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen the image. It was bandied about on Twitter not so long ago and it was certainly in some of the Facebook stardom groups. But someone's like, is is Siri holding it with a thumb? No, there's a thumb. What the fuck is going on? So basically, the only logical explanation for this, and I think I'm right in saying that this is a rational decision, is that Mayu is a wizard. No, I have a, I have a separate theory. Is it going to be one you'll regret? So I... Is it a mean theory? No, it's not a mean okay, theory. Okay, you can continue then. What possible mean theory could be? Anyway, <laughs> um... So my my thing is I think Suzuki was in the front row and was looking at the belt and the belt was too scared to fall <laughs> in case Suzuki got past it. I didn't realize Suzuki was there. Was he there? No, I made oh, that okay. up. Okay, I was just going to say, was he? Um, anyway, I I gave this six stars. I think it built very well to the next match. You know, like you've said, I I agree with absolutely everything you've said. That stuff. Every interaction with Mayu and Suri was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I don't even care that Suri's loud sort of noises have come back. Um, I just, I think that that will be absolutely fantastic, and I look I really do look forward to that match. I don't think Suri is taking the belt. I'll be perfectly honest. I just I, well, I don't, I don't. Yeah, no, I doubt it. I'd but... be very, very surprised if they put the red belt on her before they put it on Julia. A man can dream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gave it six stars. Like I say, what did you give it, Chris? 
I'm six out of ten. Okay. Yeah. So we then moved on to the high speed championship three way uh, with Azumi defeating the champion Riho and Starlight Kid in seven minutes and ten seconds with the Azumi Sushi. Um, I'll be honest, Chris, it was seven minutes and it didn't stop. It was great. Yeah, this is what high speed is, and I, I can't believe it's taken this long for you to actually see a fucking high speed match. I hate Rio. Um, but yeah, this was great. It just wouldn't stop. Poor referee. <laughs> like, he probably put his hip out on this match the amount of times he had to jump onto the canvas. <laughs> like, he probably, took, he probably took more bumps than anyone in this match. <laughs> The amount of, t- especially during those um, interchangeable pins, it was like one, two, one, two, one, two. Oh! This reminds me of the um, CM Punk was telling a story about when he was wrestling for an indie fed and um, Harley Race was the special referee. And apparently, when him and his opponent were putting the match together, Harley Race went up to him and went, You know, this stuff you do in the indies nowadays, that one, two, one, two, <laughs> one, two, shit. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I'll be honest, this this sort of indicates just how good this match was. We had a triple down in a match that went less than eight minutes and it didn't feel out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, Rio and Starlight... No, it was a real, uh, one of the... T- I, it's very hard to remember who did one of this match. It, it went too fast to take notes. Um... They did the machine guns bounce um, double splash thing, and I do like that machine guns offense. It's weird, like, the closest thing I can actually compare this to is early X Division. Yeah, where, like, they're that. just half a million miles an hour, but also they're not taking crazy bumps, like, literally, like, because that's the style. Um, they just sort of keep rolling up like no one's taking any crazy bumps but everyone looks impressive it's a great way to go about things my only issue is i think um and it's a personal thing that i think the rule set should sort of back it up like i like maybe like even like a short 10 minute time limit because these like seven minutes is long for a high speed match yeah i think it probably only went that long with there being three competitors in it yeah so i think something like a time limit would definitely go a long way into helping emphasize why they're wrestling that way other than like it's got the high speed belt so i'm gonna wrestle fast yeah no yeah i'm completely i'm completely with you here um even though starlight kid looked great in this match and rio played a part you know i know that you haven't been exactly enamored with her return i think she's been great i think she was really good here it was it was all about azumi here i think it was telegraphed that Azumi was winning here. I don't know. There was just... She spent the bulk of the match in charge. She was the one being innovative. There was a wonderful moment where Rio was sat in the corner. Starlight Kid ran at her, and Azumi just tripped her up so that Starlight Kid ended up drop-kicking Rio in the corner. It looked amazing. Um, I would argue that Azumi's got one of the nicest flying arm bars. Just absolutely amazing. Starlight Kid is proper pelting it at Riho and she's cut off as Azumi goes for this flying uh, this flying armbar. Um I will fight to the grave to say that Starlight Kid has got the nicest standing moonsault. Just unbelievable. Just the rotation she gets and um Tall Sayers is really good as well. 
But whereas Starlight Kid, I'm never worried that Starlight is going to like land on her neck, and I'm always worried about Tall Siren. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Um, I just, I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought just everything happened for a reason. I still think that Starlight Kid is the most improved wrestler of the year. Yeah, she's getting a lot better. Um, I think Saya got a lot better. I forgot to mention around the previous one where like my biggest problem was Saya's offense looked weak. Her forearms are actually starting to look good. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone's improving, which is amazing because in New Japan everyone's regressing. But, um, yeah, um, I think in terms of stardom, she definitely is the most improved. Maybe Saida, because like, I think Saida went from like nothing to me to like one of my my like underappreciated favorites very quickly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, like say Azumi wins. Um, she says she's not finished. She wants to be the high speed only one, as well as going for other belts. And to be honest, I can see her going for other belts as well. I don't think she should be tied to the high speed division. I gave this high seven, low eight. I gave it. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm getting eight. I thought this was great. Um, I'm going seven. Um, nothing. This is one of those matches where everything went by in such a flash, where like nothing quite stuck with me. And, like, that's just what high speed is, so I don't criticise it for it. But, like, for me, there's a ceiling, and I think this 7 out of 10 is the style ceiling. Fair enough. Fair enough. We then move on to our semi-main event of the evening for the Goddesses of Stardom title, the vacant Goddesses of Stardom Championships, with uh, B. Priestley and Jamie Hayter being forced to relinquish them. Um... Overall, obviously, this was fought between the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani and Utami and the Tokyo Cyber Squad team of Jungle and Konami. For me, in this match, the difference in Jungle Kiona was blatant. She mm-hmm. was done. She was so somber throughout her promo. You know, you look at the promo she cut at the start of the Osaka match. You know, full of joy, you know, she's laughing with Konami. No, she is fucked off and she wants everyone to know about it. And by proxy, so was Konami. They both just, they wrestled in such a heel way in this match. They brutalised Saya. They absolutely ripped that girl's arms to absolute shreds. By the way, wonderful selling by Saya. The screams, I will move on in a moment to one thing that really pissed me off for the entire match. Um, I genuinely think that we are going to see some sort of turn from Jungle. And this sort of plays into what has been announced at Yokohama, and I might as well say it now so that it plays into this match. Um, There is a six-man, or a six-woman, between Oedetai and Tokyo Cyber Squad with the stipulation that if Tokyo Cyber Squad lose... They are to disband. Mm-hmm. Now, with everything that has gone on with with Hannah and things like that, I think it makes sense to get rid of Tokyo, not get rid of Tokyo Cyber Squad, to disband Tokyo Cyber Squad and start afresh because, you know, there's always going to be that memory of Hannah. There needs to be that memory of Hannah. But, Jungle Kiona and Konami need to wrestle as something else now. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if we get either a more heelish faction 
or potentially one of them joining a Wida tie. Yeah, I'll go on to that when we're talking about um, the new shows. But as regarding this match, you're right. TCS did absolutely brutalize Sayers. Um, I thought the scream got a bit great in. Like, it was very believable, but also, like, there was a point where I just wanted them to stop her head so she'd shut up. But what did annoy me was um, after working over the... Um, <laughs> the like, <laughs> this is the same thing after- that wound me up. <laughs> Like, first of all, I, would, I just want to say, I like how they took Utami out to focus on the rookie. That makes complete yep. sense. And then she starts doing her fucking cartwheel backflip bollocks. And I'm like, just, you don't need to do it every match. Your arm doesn't work right now. Sell that. Now, again, let's just let's just put that into perspective for a moment. Sayakamitani is still effectively a rookie. So she's got time to learn. Yep. But... You know, you're putting the goddesses of stardom championships on her. She needs to know. You know, she needs to be able to adapt her moves. We we waxed lyrical on the previous night. I know Mayu is completely different kettle of fish to Sire at the moment. But, you know, you've got to learn to adapt your moveset. It's not like Jungle and Konami had done one move to the arm. Konami had literally beaten the shit out of this arm. And Sire had done such a good job literally making her sound like it was physical torture for her. And then for her to do a backflip and a cartwheel into a dropkick. And he's like, no, you've just, you've taken me out of this match now completely. And it's a shame because the exchanges between Utami and Jungle, uh, setting up for their five-star match on the eighth, I think, was absolutely fantastic. You know, just two hosses doing hoss things. But that moment, I didn't think that one moment could take me out of a match so much. And it really didn't. It's such a shame because the rest of the match was okay. I really loved Utami's, like she got Konami in some manner of air raid crash submission and then just thought, fuck it, and then just hit the air raid crash, which was great. Um, (laughs) I love the fact that they're teasing dissension between Jungle and Konami by Jungle hitting Konami with a lariat not once but twice. You know, the first time you could see, you could think, oh, that might have just been a bit of miscommunication. But the second time, you know, could have been an accident because they just got up too quickly. But that second one, glaringly obvious that that was meant to happen. So, you know, there's obviously something there. That sort of plays into my theory that, you know, we are on the final days of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Yeah, um, maybe Jan will come back, which would be quite nice. But then again, Oedith, I need to. But then again, I don't think Jungle would at all fit Oedith. I don't know. So I think if you were going to take one of them to Oedith, I think Konami would be a better fit. Yeah, um, especially since they don't really have that technician like Kigetsu was anymore. Kigetsu was fairly high on Konami. Well, it's just, I think she she's very relentless in her offense. Like she will just brutalize someone as, as proved by this match. She was the main brutalizer. Um, I think that would fit. And that would certainly add another dimension to a weed time matches. I'd, I'd love to see a, Nat- I'd love to see a Natsu Samir and Konami team. <laughs> you, you sounded slightly German when you said brutalizer. brutalizer. <laughs> like I, I thought, have you, have you seen Clark? No, you haven't seen Clark. That's gaff. Um, but like the, the way they sing um, Berserk is great. Anyway, um, this match, yeah, like it's weird because like I don't want one moment to ruin a match for me, but like it kind of, you know, this reminds me of, you know, the Mark Quinn Cody match from AW. Yes. 
Um, but Mark, like, so Cody's working over Mark Quinn. Um, Mark Quinn's like for the whole thing of him. Mark Quinn starts doing fucking flips. Yeah, you you need to be able to adapt to a match situation, and I'm sure Sai will get there. I mean, we've you know we've been we've praised Sire a lot and this you know it's a criticism absolutely but it's something that needs to be rectified you can't just consistently do the same things Himika uh, like we talked about him like Himika and Sire have like not an uncomparable amount of time in the ring and Himika managed to like recognize a botch before it happened and switch out of it like it's small things like that that separate that good wrestler like it separates like the Saki Kashimas from the Maves kind of thing. And like it's just something you need to learn. And like being with Utami, who's basically the best rookie of the last year, um, will probably help that. And like being the five star will probably help that. But yeah, it's such like it's so not stupid that like it's such a small thing can take you out, but it just does. It's like if um after being thrown down. It's like it's like Luke Skywalker after having his arm cut off. Um, managed to win that lightsaber fight. Yeah. Um, eventually, obviously, Queen's Quest win with um, them hitting a magic killer, randomly, um, and Utami <laughs> in the bridging German suplex on Konami, uh, 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Um, bless her, Sai just goes to pieces here. You know, it's her first championship. She's just, she's in floods, absolute floods. Um, and Utami just, bless her, gives her this big hug. Um they're challenged post-match by Himika and Micah, um, which, you know, it'll be it'll be an interesting match. I look forward to that. I look forward to the Utami versus Himika sort of um meant sort of that matchup. <laughs> Knock fucking pinballing off each other for it 20. It will minutes. literally just be beating the ever-loving shit out of And I suppose that's another reason both teams needed to look strong coming out of that um eight woman in Nagoya. I shoot, you know, you've got the two pairing off. Into the tag team championships. No, I think in that, if Didi, if one of them had pinned, say, Sire, um, that would give him a good reason to challenge. I don't know. When again, Himika did pin Sire, but like if it didn't tag, actually, you know yeah, what I mean. No, I know what you mean. Um, we move on then to our main event, which was match seven, the Wonder of Stardom Championship Tournament Final with Julia defeating Tam Nakano by referee's decision in 28 minutes and 27 seconds to win the vacant Wonder of Stardom title in what was a surprise to, I imagine, absolutely no one, Chris. Especially me, since um, Stardom, um, a Stardom group of men who says very, very um, vehemently before joining, um, no spoiling before it goes up in Stardom World, spoiled the result before it was up in stardom well which is great i love when that happens <laughs> if you if you're someone who shares a result before it's available for the public to watch you're a cunt and there's a special place reserved in hell for you alongside the people who keep fucking sexualizing azumi she's 17 you weird cunts anyway 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 this match this match was surprisingly good um because i got quite worried because so I heard about it go, um, back going in, and then I heard... So like, I just stopped hearing about spoilers for this show. Um, so then I heard going in that this was going to be 28 minutes. And I, I, as you know, Rob, I have a very complicated history right now with very long matches because they're starting to not be good. And like that's why I like Stardom. It's not, it doesn't do that. But then again, 
on the other hand, I'm like, well, if they do this match right, it, like, it could be a nice little special thing, and then they can just not uh, save it for another few months and then do another one in a few months. And like, if it's an occasional thing, I'm fine with it. So like, that's my sort of piece on the length of it. It's as long as it's not a continuous thing, I'm fine with it. But this actual match was a 28-minute bomb fest. I don't think we ever stopped hurting each other. Uh, like, five minutes into this match for the cross of the outside and then Tam hits a fucking German on the outside and then Julia hits a Julia driver because of course she does and then I'm like where's this gonna go and then we just didn't stop we just didn't stop and like German suplex off the top rope because why not I did, like, and Julia's getting a lot better at getting into the stealth viper because it used to be like really con- um, contrived and now she can just do it I think, in all honesty, she's improving massively. I mean, and I know that I ragged on her when she first came, and I still stand by the fact that she deserved to be ragged on. But I will say that she's massively improved. And this match, you know, I know that she's in there with Tam, who's, a, who's great, but Julia was brilliant in this match. You know, the two contrasting styles worked really, really well. You've got Tam brutalising Julia's leg, and Julia sold it brilliantly. Another masterclass in selling. She, she sold it brilliantly up until the last 10 well, minutes. Well, you say that. She did slip off the rope, and that was, you know, to sell the knee. Though she did try a big boot off the second yeah. rope, and I instantly thought of Sid. She did slip off the rope, and she did um, do uh, do a little thing, but like I, I think, like... It was just sort of picked up and dropped near the end of this match, not like to a distracting degree, not to like Sia before doing that because she didn't do it right. At, but she did this about five minutes after Tam stopped targeting the leg because Tam effectively did it for um, two reasons: one, to cut it down to her size because there's an obvious height disparity, and secondly, the same thing she did in the recent match actually, like hold on to the leg for um, a submission, and when that didn't work, she tried a different strategy. So, yeah, like, it's not as egregious as it could be, but it still sort of brought the match down. Just, like, not a ton, just a little bit for me. Because, um, like, this ending stretch, like, oh, my God, like, Tam kicks out everything. I don't think I've seen such a smooth transition to, into a Michinoku driver as Julie is catching Tam here. Um... And yeah, just it was really good. I, I like all my fears of it feeling long in the tooth were swayed by the time it finished. Because by the time it finished, I was like invested despite not despite knowing the um, result, which I think is a mark of a good match when you can like find things to love about it, even when you're not in that moment. There was a couple of things for me. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of crazy ass Tam. Um, you know, fucking mental Tam, and. W- Standing on Sire. Yeah, as a- <laughs> exactly. Just basically just being this absolute, you know, proper bunny boiler, like crazy, like, rit, rit, rit. but here she came in, she was calm, she was collected. It's almost like it was indicative of the pressure she felt carrying on the legacy of her best friend. And it was interesting mm-hmm. to see the dichotomy between that, or sorry, the disparity, not dichotomy, um, between Tam and the pressure she was obviously feeling from, you know, the Arissa legacy and then you've got julia who quite obviously and quite openly just wants the belt you know there's Mm. there's a 
a really, really good disparity there. And I love the fact that there is hatred there. There was a real hatred before and during this match, but it never just descended into a typical brawl. You never had the <clears throat> brawl into the crowd spot we get so often with just hate feuds or blood feuds. Instead, they were more concentrated on just causing as much fucking pain as possible. And Tam especially just absolutely brutalising that right leg of Julie. We had Indian deathlocks. We had a wonderful moment where Tam goes for an arm bar and then transitions it instead into a knee bar. And it was just, it was wonderful. Such a small, subtle thing, but it was like, right, well, I've been targeting the knee for for ages. I'm going to fuck it up some more. You know, it shows she did the armbar move and then just transitioned so smoothly. It was great. And Julia, for her, you know, for all the praise I'm giving Tam, Julia was great in this match. The targeting of the neck of Tam was brilliant, ready for that glorious driver or ready for the stealth viper or ready for the move that eventually won it. You know, she weakened and weakened and weakened and weakened that neck relentlessly before eventually Tam passed out in the submission, which, again, was great storytelling. You know, the only way that could have been better was if Tam had won with a leg submission. That's the only way that story could have been rounded off any better. I'm not going to lie, Chris, I love this match. You know, not on the same level as... Mayu and Jungle, you know, which was by far and away the best match of this run. But this match in a bubble was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, again, my only real issue is the shaky um, selling from Julia at points, I felt. And also, um, I'm just worried because I don't want half an hour main events to become standard. And I'm worried with more um, time limit draws and then they're flirting with that. I want like half an hour main events in stardom to be a rarity. Of, like for, for example, these two, they didn't descend into a brawl. This match was very clearly them trying to prove they're better than the other. This sort of thing, sure, how about be a half hour main, main event? If Jungle and May had went half an hour, it wouldn't have been as good. No, but again, that so, sort of... As, as long as it doesn't... Because like, I've sort of seen stuff like that, this, creep in like in other companies and I just don't want it to creep in on stardom it's my point I'm wary that's all yeah I don't, I don't think it will we haven't had you know you look at the jungle and May match that went 21 minutes I think that's that's the perfect length of time I, I still think main events you know going that long are going to be a rarity Um, you know we didn't have that for if you look at the last Corican show the main event was 12 minutes yeah no that's the thing I just I hope it stays like that because I can see that not happening and like it's like if Bushi Road didn't own Stardom that wouldn't be a fear I have I don't know again it's something I went into it's something that's in the back of my mind that isn't like overwhelming me with um, a dislike um, a distaste of a product or whatever because like, again I love yeah. this match I thought this match was really good and I'm not convinced by Julia but I don't hate her anymore like, I'm not hating the idea of her having a run with this championship. I'm not hating the idea of her in the five-star. Which is an improvement from before where she was beating Hazuki and I'm like, who the fuck do you think? Who the fuck are you? Um, yeah, like, I think something to take out of the two title map, um, title, title map main events from the two days was they were best when they sort of threw out the stardom formula. Like, they sort of fucked with it. Like, here, this was like your normal side and bomb fest, but it went about 10 minutes longer than other 
um, to the main events. Amber won before when Mayo was taking established starting spots and fucking with it to her advantage. I like that. I like that they're not so beholden to formula. Because again, I think that's sort of what's alienated me and you from someone like New Japan. Because like they try and follow formula at times to a fault. Like, and that's something I said about Salomon. Like, it's so simple that you can't really fuck it up. But like little things like this is what makes you, like, makes matches stick with you. And like because of that, these two matches will probably be in contention for for a lot of people for match of the year for Stardom at least going at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I gave it a low nine. I thought I enjoyed it that much. I really did. I gave it a mid eight. Um, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie and say some of it probably is biased against Julia. <laughs> in that case, it gets a low nine. If you're gonna just be biased because of the competitor, but you've justified so many Tai Chi matches I... by going. You have literally said the phrase it would be a nine, but it's Tai Chi. I have heard you say that oh, phrase. It's tai Chi in it. Um, there's proof of you saying that phrase. Uh, we do get. <laughs> post-match just before we move on to other things Julia is saying that she finally understands Tam's need for the belt uh, Tam says that she'll chase her to the end of the universe to get it they have a very small begrudging high five of respect and then uh, Julia says that they can do it anytime and that Chris is a wonderful transition because they are actually doing it again <laughs> Uh, it's, it's one of the matches at the um, Yokohama show so, isn't it Yokohama Cinderella 2020, which will, again, be at the brand new Yokohama Budokan on August 22nd and 23rd. It's just, I, I'm not quite sure of the um, timeline. Is just before or after the This five is star. in the middle of the five star. Okay, oh, that's weird. It anyway. is very <laughs> weird. No, I completely agree with you. Because um, they're often the five star. <laughs> the, the first thing to point out is that the sort of ambassador of the Yokohama Cinderella 2020 show is uh, Togi Makabe. Yeah, I saw that. He looked very confused. He looked confused, but also looked incredibly dapper in his really, really open white shirt and suit and chain. Um... <laughs> He's a TV like, I'd kind of hope he could look good, but yeah, the chain was a, it was yeah, a choice. Uh, it was absolutely a choice so again uh 22nd and 23rd the full cards have actually been announced so on the 22nd of august we have the following matches chris hanan and itsuki hashino versus hina and rena these shows will actually be it itsuki's hashino's last matches for stardom um match two is azumi versus sayaida Match three, and I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe this is the match that they have made the Tokyo Cyber Squad sort of the stipulation that Tokyo Cyber Squad will um, will disband if they lose. Um, with Jungle Kiona Konami and Death Yamasan taking on Natsukatora, Saki Kishima and Natsu Samiya. We've then got a Yokohama Cinderella special six-woman tag match as match four with Tam Nakano, Starlight Kid, and Riho versus Mima Shimido, Yuna Manase, and Super Strong Stardom Machine. So, Saeeda <laughs> pulling double duty. She She's is back. back. Push, push, Super Strong it's, Stardom Machine. Is Captain Sardom on? Unfortunately not, though. That should absolutely be a mixed tag, 100%. Captain Sardom and Super 
um, Captain Stardom and Super Stardom Machine for um, Tag Week. <laughs> um, match five, Future of Stardom title with Micah taking on Saya Kamatani. Um, we've then got two special singles matches with Utami Hayashishita taking on Himika. And then match seven, the semi-main Momo Watanabe taking on Julia. And then the World of Stardom title match, Mayu Watani versus Siori. So before we go on to the next night, Chris, is there anything that jumps out at you? This is an incredibly solid show. Like, incredible. Like, this is a Korokan show. Oh, yeah, it's a big show. Like, as. Yeah. Like, fuck, I'm looking for. I'm hyped for this. Apart from, um, I'm scared that um, six man for um, TCS sounds like a fucking shit show. I imagine a good way to get heat on a weed size for them to cheat to break up Tokyo Cyber Squad, so maybe they'll do that. Yeah. Well, as long as Natsukatora yeah, doesn't win with that shitty splash onto the fucking chain, I don't care. Uh, Im- imagine, <laughs> imagine if it ends in a really anticlimactic way, like Natsu Samir pins Death Yamasan after the Bronco Buster. Just imagine how anticlimactic that would be. Oh, the the scenes, the absolute scenes. Um, so we then go on to night two, which is the following night on the twenty third of August, and the following matches have been announced. So we open up match one with a five way match: Death Yamasan versus Ruaka versus Hanan versus Hina versus Fight. I don't know who Fight is, but Fight is apparently in this match. I assume we are going to find out who Fight is. <laughs> probably it, it probably will be Saida, though she will be very unlucky if that's the case because she is in the second match. Uh, Saida taking on Itsuki Hashino in what is going to be her last stardom match. Match three is Rio versus Natsu Samir. Um, the reason I wasn't sure as to whether it is on the 23rd or the 22nd um, in regard to TCS versus Oida Tags, because we've got another version of that. Here is the fourth match with Jungle Kiona and Konami taking on Natsukatora and Saki Kashima. So, not sure. Um, we've then got a special singles match, Mayui Watani versus Momo Watanabe. Hmm. Not for the title. Very important to note that. So I can imagine Momo pinning Mayu and Momo getting a shot after that. Well, actually, we'll talk about that in a minute because we'll talk about that in our five-star Grand Prix preview. Um, we've then got match six, high-speed title, Azumi versus Starlight Kid. Yes, please. I think that's going to be absolutely outstanding. Uh, semi-main goddesses of stardom championship title match Utami Hayashishita and Sayakamitani the champions taking on the DDM team of Himika and Micah and then finally our main event is the wonder of stardom title rematch Julia versus Tam Nakano um, anything that jumps out at you there Chris But, uh, like, it's weird having Julian and Tam as a town match here because they're also having a match in the five star. Are they in the same block in the five star? Yeah, they're both yes, in red star. Yes, they stars. are both in red star. That does seem very strange. We're instantly going to be sick of this feud. It's not just, it's not that. Like, they've already proved that they can have a wonderful match. Um, it's just, I think you could have had a lot better story with a potential redemption arc for Tam Nakano. If she waits, if she loses, maybe she loses twice here and goes on to win Cinderella. Huh. 
I mean, I wouldn't be against Tam Nakano winning Cinderella. <laughs> hire, hire me, um, Rossi. I clearly know how to do no, this. to be fair, apparently <laughs> winning Cinderella gets you the chance to be in the match, uh, but that is it, because apparently Natsu Katora can just invite herself, as can Konami, who had literally no claim. I don't think... Um, I think in the case of that, they didn't want to set precedent for Julia just wishing the championship onto herself, but also... Yeah, why had Konami and Nat... Why? Very, very strange. Nat- Natsuko did have a claim. Natsuko was meant to be Arisa's last challenger and never got her shot. Of course shot. she was. Kana- um, Konami on the other hand. Absolutely hats. nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just like, what's up, guys? <laughs> I think we should make this a tournament. Um, and everyone just went, yeah, all right. She's Tetsu United. She's just like, well, I have no real claim, but, you know, here we are. Um, very excited for Mayu versus Momo. Um, good things are going to happen there. Very excited for the high-speed title match for, uh, between Azumi and Starlight. Um, the Goddesses of Stardom title match can go, you know, I'm sure that'll be great, but you know, I'm sure there are there'll be better title matches. Um I've got I go into there with not necessarily no expectation, but a lowered expectation. I look forward to the conf- confrontation between Utami and Himika. What's the um capacity of um the booty fan? Like this one? Um I'm sure that we looked at it. Um it's th- it's three thousand seats capacity. Um but one there's probably going to be 500 fans there oh no no it doesn't sorry ignore me completely Um, if it's a third capacity which it's going to be a thousand people that's a big crowd for stardom at the moment that's that's Corrick they're trying to pull Corrick and Weekender basically so yeah it makes perfect sense that they're um, throwing everything at this if they're going for a Weekender but is it actually in the middle of the five star? Is this at what? The five star ends in the nineteenth. Okay, no. So this is after the five star. Um, no, it's in the middle of the five star. Right. This this actually leads into what I want to talk about. So the actual schedule. Oh, the five star ends in the nineteenth of September. I'm sorry. Uh, that is yeah. weird. Why? Sorry. The uh, so the schedule for the five star is as follows so it runs from august 8th at corican finishing on september 19th at corican and these are your shows so august 8th and august 9th at corican hall august 15th at osaka edian arena 2 uh, august 29th in nagata obviously in between the 15th and 29th we've got those two yokohama shows um i imagine at the time of booking yokohama the five star was earlier or later, so I imagine they've just had to sort of pull things together in the wake of uh, coronavirus. Um, We then move on to August 30th at Takaoka, uh, and then into September, September 5th at Shinkiba First Ring, September 6th at Sendai Pit. September 12th, we've got two shows, a day show in Fukuoka and a night show at Fukuoka, followed by September 13th in Fukuoka, and then the final on September 19th uh, at Corican Hall. I don't think I've ever heard you say Fukuoka before. Fukuoka? Fukuoka. Yeah, what's up with that? That sounds, that sounds like... Are you laughing because it's got the word fuck in it? Are you being childish? It, it sounds like it says 
fucker woke up. Such a child. <laughs> Um, for those who you honestly you absolute muppet Um, for those who can't quite or we I think we went through this very briefly at the end of the last podcast for those who haven't seen the Twitter the um, blocks are as follows so the red stars uh, we have got Mayu Iwatani Julia Tamnakano Konami Starlight Kid Sayakamatani Death Yamasan and Himika. And then Blue Stars are Momo Watanabe, Utami Hayashishita, Jungle Kiona, Azumi, just those first four alone, um, Natsukatora, Saki Kashima, Siori, and Mika. So those. <laughs> you sound so um, deflated when you said Mika. No, it's because I'd run out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> so many things to talk about. So many. Um, okay. Go on. In terms of like this, it's not a bad block. I do question having the world of and the wonder of in the same block. Well, on the opening night, like what does that leave? On the opening uh, night, August eighth, we have got in the red stars. We have this is opening night at Corican, August eighth. We have got Konami versus Sayakamatani. We have got Death Yamasan versus Starlight Kid, Himika versus Tam Nakano, and Mayu versus Julia. That's tasty. That's a re- that's really interesting. That is a nice. That's a nice recount, yeah. Um, again, I'm not saying the matches are bad, and it's quite like it's like G128. It's like why have all the champions in one block? I understand, like, Azumi's in one block, but, like, in reality, the only people in a block going for the high speed is Saki and maybe Manka. Well, the opening night for Blue Stars sees Utami versus Jungle Kiona, um, Momo versus Maika, Natsukatora versus Sayuri, Azumi versus Saki. So that is all August 8th. Um... Of all of those, Chris, of all the matches that I've just said, um, what sort of stands out to you as the matches to watch? Um, Jungle and Itami never don't deliver. Yeah. Always always great. But, like, I'm not going to lie. The one that I'm most looking forward to is Red Star. Like, um, Tam- I keep laughing because Red Star was the name of youth gang when I was in school. And even, like... It's so weird, like, they were a youth gang, but also they weren't very tough. So they had my school held an assembly to say, please stop bullying Red Star. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I know, right? Um, It's a 15-minute time limit. It's probably a good job, because we've got eight singles I, matches like, to go the through. Most... Yeah. Um, like, what's the time limit? It's 15 minutes, isn't it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yes, it's 15 minutes. Um, so, like, I think Julia and May were definitely going to a draw. Huh. Uh, it would be interesting, certainly. Um, yeah, it's. I I wouldn't be surprised if Julia beats Mayu. Um, it's you've always got then that sort of looming Julia challenge if Mayu does retain. 
post Yokohama and post five star. Um, I think we've got, you know, Momo versus Micah. I think that'll be great when the stakes. Himika versus Tam. I think that'll be good. And I think that Konami versus Saya will be good as well. Yeah, I think Red the Red Star has had it has it for this one. Um, I think I'll have a nice like blue, um, a jungle versus um, Momo rematch. Yeah, yes, please. Well, <laughs> August 9th... I will never not be here for that. <laughs> August ninth. Um, the card has been announced. Well, the card is up for August 9th. Red stars. You've got Mei Watani versus Starlight Kid, um, which again. I'm here for all day. Himika versus Julia and Konami versus Tam Nakano. That's a tasty couple of matches, that is. I don't, there's not a bad match of those three. Yeah. I don't think there's a bad match combination to be had. Well, here. going on to Blue Stars then from that like in- day. Sorry, Chris. Uh, Utami versus Tora, Momo versus Azumi, Saki versus Mika, and Sayuri versus Jungle Kiona. Ooh, that one's... That it one, really be... is, isn't it? There's a couple there. We... Um, I think something you need to keep in mind with the five-star, it very rarely produces match... It's not like the G1, but produces match of the year, after match of the year. This doesn't really do that because the restrictions sort of stop that from happening, but it's a very high-quality tournament. Like, it never... Like, even if a match isn't... Great, it's not long. So, like, you're not really bored watching it. I think a shortened time limit will work for some. So, like, like obviously, August 9th, you've got Momo versus Azumi. In 50 minutes, they could produce an absolute fucking barn burner. Um, mm-hmm. Mayu versus Starlight Kid. That's the thing. Like, um, from a match quality standpoint, it may not be as exciting but from a booking standpoint it makes it more wild it means more can happen yeah absolutely absolutely like because because like it's not um it's not exactly going to be realistic if say um starlight beats may but i think it is realistic for starlight to hold may to a 15 minute draw mm couple more interesting matches for me. So Red Stars, just looking at the dates of the matches. Uh, Mayu versus Tam Nakano is the 19th of September. That's one to look out for, definitely. Um, Starlight Kid versus Konami is... Where am I looking now? That is the 30th of August. I think that could be a really, really interesting match. Um Julia versus Konami, that rematch is the 29th of August. Um, And then looking at Blue Block, um, I think the match that I'm most looking forward to out of this block is Momo versus Utami, and that's on the 15th of August. Um, That final day, the 19th of September, you have got Mayu versus Tam and Jungle versus uh, Momo. I think that's indicative of who might win. And I can't remember much of the five-star last year. If I'm honest, I didn't watch all of the five-star last year because it was right after the G1. And I was so burnt out on tournaments. So this year, I had the opposite of that problem. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I might be indicative of who's going to win. Yeah, definitely. Um, looking at some of Suri's running, she's got Momo on the sixth of September, Utami on the final day. Fucking hell! What a final day that's going to be. Jesus. <laughs> um, looking at some other ones, we've got Jungle and Azumi is the twenty ninth of August. That's going to be great. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some really, really interesting dynamics heading through this. Um, I'm going to ask you now, Chris, as of the 3rd of August, who do you have to win? The, well, let's let's say who tops but each block for you? Um... <laughs> I don't... I'm not quite sure. I don't think Julia is going to. Because, like, my initial thing would have been Julia versus Tam. In the, um, but they're in different blocks. Honestly, I think it's going to come between Jungle Momo in blue and um, Julia Mayu in red. Okay. Yeah, so who do you have going over? I don't think be... Jungle, because I think she might be turning a little <laughs> bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, for me, I don't. I think it'll be between Tam Nakano and uh, Julia, and I think Tam will pip it on the final day. So who's Julia got on the final day? Julia's got Death Yama Sam on the final day. <laughs> that's, an, that's a very well, easy win. I don't think it is. I think that's a Tori think- Yano. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Um, definitely, Amazon's a wild card because, like, she can. If she's gonna pin you. She's gonna pin you. So, quick. who has Tam Nakano got on the final night? She's not wrestling. Mayu. Oh no, she is. She's got. Yeah, she's got Mayu. So I think Tam could beat Mayu, AP... and Tam could top the group. But, but even numbered block. Why would someone? No, not I be don't wrestling? know why. I don't know why. Um, Konami's got Himika on the final night. Ooh, do you know what I'm? I'm not going to go jungle um, just because you have. Oh, no, no, because this this whole jungle thing was completely thrown out my booking of the whole redemption arc of jungle. Like, it, almost, it almost completely comes down to what happens in the TCS. It really batch. does, because if, to- if Tokyo Cyber Squad had disbanded, I genuinely think... Who does jungle... Oh, Jesus. Who does jungle have in the last jungle night? Jungle has Again. Momo oh, on the final night. So here's another reason why I think Jungle might go over because Jungle pinning Momo on a way in a redemption arc is kind of necessary. So you think Jungle tops the block with Momo in second? Yes. And I think it's going to be like a draw going in. Like we're going to have the same amount of points. So like whoever wins this wins yeah, the block. I think Utami will beat Jungle. And I think someone like Natsukatora will beat Momo. And then Jungle will beat Momo on the final night. Maybe it's it's all up like it's weird because like so many important booking things are happen happening at those Budokan shows that we literally can't make a fair prediction until they've been about halfway through the fucking five stars. I would argue that the blue star is so much harder to call than the red star because effectively you've got four people that could win that block. You've got Momo, you've got Utami, you've got Jungle, you've got Suri, and they are legitimate contenders. Whereas yeah. Red Star, I, I think, think you've got... 
I do think Julia is in with a shot. I don't think Mayu tops the blocks. She's champion. I don't think the champion will go through. That's just me personally. Konami, is she going to go through top of the block twice in two years? Probably not. Which means that you've got Tam and Julia. Yeah, I think Ratelli wanted Which to be there. I think Tam will go through. I think Tam blocks uh, think... tops red stars. Maybe. I think also, like, if you've gone for a jungle redemption thing, pinning Julia might be a good one too. Just for two reasons. One, Julia beat um, Jungle in the Cinderella, and two, for, um, Julia was ha- was Hannah's tag team partner in the Tokyo Dome and not Jungle. Yeah, they haven't really played on that story. I wonder if the steer- I imagine anything Hannah-based will be might- steered away from at the moment. Yeah, that's the thing. I think we'd have steered more towards that angle if what happened didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, 100%. It's... it's- it's crazy, but we haven't even entertained the possibility of Utami topping the block. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I like. I think most people in this, you can come across and say, if they win, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I. I it's it's set up to be very, very, very interesting. Um, it's going to be an absolute nightmare to cover as a podcast because. Yeah. We need- Oh, we're doing that. Hang on, there seems to, man, there's a break in the schedule. There is a break in the schedule, and hopefully... There are several breaks in the schedule. It's actually been very kind to us, but it'll just be how quickly they upload the matches uh, will be how quickly we can get podcasts out. On that basis, last year's was a bit of a nightmare because you we were uploading other shows before um, certain shows finished. And they sort of like, can you please just... Focus on getting one up, but getting better at that. To be fair, like they'll prioritize title matches, but otherwise they're going sequentially. Well, fingers crossed. Obviously, me and Chris will talk later, and we'll we'll put it on Twitter. So keep an eye out on Twitter as to what will be our recording schedule, our very loose recording schedule. Because again, our recording schedule, especially for you know five star will be very very much dependent on when stardom upload the matches so you might have to you might have to bear with us slightly um you think we have them in blocks like we have it on the 8th the 9th and um, the 15th so we can focus on getting them up on the 29th and 30th so we can focus then focus on getting those ones up and then like 5th and 6th get them up 12th 13th get them up 19th seems to be two days week off doesn't it maybe yeah, which to be fair, I'm, I'd rather they do that than kill. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, Chris, your definitive winner of the Five Star Grand Prix 2020 is. If, if you say if I say Daffy Amasana, yes, you're going to kill me. I'll just <laughs> I'll find a new co-host. Who do you have? Uh, Garth, you're going to get Garth on you. <laughs> what have you got? Um, jungle. I'm never not going to pick jungle. I, I say that. I think closer to the time we'll actually do a bracket. Like I'll probably fill up a bracket just because I'll be bored. There's nothing else to do with my time right now. Um, but yeah, I want I'm, I want jungle just because I want jungle to win. I'm going to say jungle. It's very interesting that jungle has Momo on the last night. Um... To be fair, I did correctly predict um, Hannah last time, so. 
I, I can't go for the same one as you, so... You can. If it hadn't have already been... If we hadn't have had all these little teases for Jungle, you know, she hadn't been such through this highs and lows, we hadn't had this stuff with TCS and Oida Tai, I wouldn't have... I, you know, Jungle would have just been... You know, she'd have been second, she'd have missed out just now, would have gone Momo all the way because it's just built for a Momo versus Mayu match. But but now they have halfway Yeah, they seem the... to be spaffing that up the wall, a special singles match. I don't think we... I think Momo's going to pin Mayu because n... when you look at who's in her block, it's a lot of it. A lot of the people who could pin her and have like a filetile defense like Stella and Tam, they're either in stars like them. Not contenders like Himika, Def Yamasan, and Saya, or Julia, who already had a championship. So I think they're doing that just so... Because the only person in her block who can believably pin her and go on to challenge her is mm. Konami. So I think they're doing that just so Momo can pin Mayu, and then like that sets up the two challenges before whoever wins the five-star faces Mayu. Do you know what? I am, I am going to go jungle. I think everything that we've seen over those three shows points to the fact that there are big things in store for jungle so yeah i'm with you 100 i'd say momo pins um mayu at yokohama i think of the people in red block you know you look at who can pin mayu i'd argue the only two as you've already said are konami and julia julia already has a championship so i'd be very surprised if that materializes so Konami will get the win over Mayu. I think Tam will beat Mayu as well on the final night, and I think it'll be a jungle versus Tam oh. final. Yeah. Faction versus faction happens more in stardom than it doesn't say New Japan. So if Tam pins Mayu, it's not a realm of possibility that her and Mayu will have another match, but I think Tam will be pretty laser focused on Julia. Yeah. I see Tam getting redemption over Julia, and I see her winning that block, and I see jungle beating Tam. Um, on that final night, then. Or maybe, or maybe Tam beats Julia, which feeds Julia up to feed with Mayu. God, I don't, I'm not sure of having that um, Budokan in the middle of the five-star is a mess or a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out. We will find out. Um, right, I say we leave it there, Chris, as we ascend on to two hours of the podcast. Um Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really do appreciate it. We're sorry this episode was a little bit later up. It was 100% my fault. Um, we will look at how we're going to upload reviews in regard to the five-star Grand Prix because, obviously, there are going to be more episodes this month because of the five-star. Um, so, again, as I've already stated, it'll depend very much on the uploading schedule. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get them. Please go give us a subscribe. A five-star rating and review would be fantastic. It would do wonders for the podcast. Um, check out the website www.podmania.co.uk forward slash the stardom cast um, join our discord uh, it's in our twitter feed we'll send out a new thing as well it will also be in the um, description of our podcast um, you can find the podcast on twitter at, at the stardom cast uh, you can find me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin chris where can they find you on twitter Ah, Hulk Hogan. Okay. Uh, and we'll see you guys again soon. Bye.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.